0: Before we get started, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much just for how awesome you are, Lord. Uh, Just how you lead us, how you guide us, how you put your hand of protection upon us, Lord. And I pray that we recognize it, that you'll open our eyes to see that kind of stuff when you're looking out for us, Lord, and you're directing our paths. And Lord, I also ask that you open our ears, that we can hear you our minds so we can know You more and understand just a little more than when we came in, Lord. We just want to grow in You and continue to grow and become mighty men of God, become women of God, become children of God that represent their Father well, Lord. But most of all, Lord, open our hearts so that we fall in love even more with You. There's no one like You, Lord. And we just know that That if we fall in love with You, Lord, we'll want to be obedient. We'll want to spend time with You. We'll want to seek our presence. And that's the goal of our heart, Lord. Open up so that we do just like that. Not that we have to do the things You want us to do, but we get to do the things that You want us to do. We don't have to come to church. We want to come to church. We get to come to church. So, Lord, these things I ask. And I ask that You put Your hand upon this message that I believe You've put together for me. And I pray that you'll bless the messenger, and that these will not be my words, but they will be your words, and you'll speak to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, guys, I've been, I've thought a couple of things about what I'm going to do, you know, for the next few weeks. The Lord's been really gracious to me and giving me the message, you know, kind of for the next few weeks. And, you know, he hadn't done that before, usually it's, it's one week at a time, and you know, I just got to thinking just about how awesome that is that he would do that for me with me going back and getting school set up and my room set up and the lesson plans and webs. I mean, it's not like I don't have enough to do in my regular job. So, you know, he gives me exactly what I need at just the right time. And, you know, just like Carl said, I'm so thankful that that he's looking out for me and he's got my best interest in mind. He'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me. And um what a great feeling to have that in the Lord. But I was thinking As, you know, what, what's kind of, what have I been, been about for the last seven months, you know, here at at Lifeline Community Church. And, you know, I came in and we really kind of hit sin hard and the removal of sin and the repentance of sin and watched the altars fill up. I had conversations with you guys. Some of y'all are just saying that you had these sins in your life, and you wanted to get rid of them, and you were you were attacking them with the Word, you were attacking them by spending time with Him, and it, you're starting to feel more of His presence, and that's just, I mean, that's what we were, what I feel like I was about, you know, the first, you know, three or four months, and, and it kind of moved into not being silent, to live in this stuff out loud, and working on our attitude, and letting people see our lives as an example, living out loud for Him, and... And so I've kind of been hitting that stuff, you know, pretty hard for the last seven months. And, um, you know, sometimes I ask the Lord, like, really, Lord, do you want me to keep talking about the same stuff over and over and over? And it just kind of hit me that, that, you know, for some reason, review is not allowed in church. You're supposed to say one sermon one time and you said it and that's it and move on to something else. But there's no other area of academia that you would allow that you know i can't go in and say well here's how you divide fractions you know you keep the first one change the divide sign to multiply sign flip the second one and do it like you multiply all right i told you all that you know I don't get to do that. We got to practice that stuff. And you got to review and you got to get this stuff in you to where you do it really without even thinking about it. So I hope, you know, and pray, you know, that the Lord keeps me on these things where we just kind of keep pounding them until we get it, till we start doing this stuff. I mean, probably the biggest criticism of Christians is that they know it, but they don't do it. And so that's what, my hope and prayer is, and I feel like my obedience has increased because my love for Him has increased. Just by putting these messages together and almost being forced to spend time with Him, because Lord, if you don't give me something, I can't. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you got to help me, okay? I got you. I got you, okay? So he, He's like that for me. So for the next two weeks, um, you know, I, I've I got a little plan. You know, I know our kids are going back to school. And today, after hearing my little boy for the, for the 50th time or whatever say, all right, dad, you know, you're too long and I don't want to have to sit in there and hear you preach. Um, I said, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kid friendly today. So I heard somebody say one time said, uh, that a good sermon is like a good biscuit. It's better with a little shortening. Um, so I'm going to try to put in a little shortening here. We'll see how that works out for me. And so, but I really do want to stay focused on the elementary level. So if you're here today, you're about to go back to school, and you're pre-K through fifth grade, I hope you you get something out of this. And, you know, because I'm kind of focusing on you. Next week, I want to really focus on that middle school, high school group. And then in three weeks, I believe I'm going to just kind of share what I think the Lord has given me as the vision for this church You know, I didn't want to come in here and say, yeah, I got a vision. If the Lord didn't give me the the vision, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell you guys, you know, without it being from Him. But I believe He really has given me the vision for, for this church. And so, you know, a couple weeks from now, I plan on, you know, just kind of doing like a vision Sunday and just to show you where we are and where I believe we're heading. And so today, um, I'm going to do a little, little sermon called A Very Bad Trade. Okay and the the start of it comes from the story of Jacob and Esau see his little thing says the birthright so this is Esau you know they try to make him look a little hairy and uh Jacob over there's got the bowl of stew and you know and it's looking like a trade you know so you know he's really really hungry And so he says, listen, i got to have something to eat. And he says, I'll give it to you if you'll trade your birthright for me. And let's look at that story in Genesis chapter 25, verse uh, 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew. Now this guy knew exactly what he was doing. He could cook very well. And he's making this at just the right time. Because Esau came in from the open country famished, okay, seriously hungry. You know, he had not had anything to eat all day, been hunting all day. He's ready to eat. He said to Jacob, quick, this is urgent, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. That's why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Now, we, you know, I don't know, we probably don't think of the birthright really as anything, but back then, this was a huge deal, okay? If you had the birthright, you had a, a few things that was seriously in your favor. For one, you were recognized as the oldest, okay? And so, the, the for two, you got a double portion of your father's, Inheritance. So let's say that, you know, your dad was worth three million dollars, which, you know, I doubt anybody in here's worth that. Um so three million dollars, well then if you were the oldest and you know, when your father died, you would inherit two million dollars. The second would inherit one. So the, the oldest got a double portion of what that younger one got. So Jacob, you know, he came out second. They were twins. They were in the womb at the same time, but Esau came out first. So just by being born, he got the, he got the birthright. I mean, he was the one that had the rights to everything, but Jacob came out second, and he wanted it, okay? Now, just to tell you how big of a deal this is, when any of the Jews say talk about God, they talk about the God of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, wow! Now, Esau actually came out first, and he had the birthright. So, we should be saying here, all these thousands of years later, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau... This is how big of a deal this guy, this guy's about to make a trade. He says, look, I'm about to die. I am so hungry that I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is some birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. I mean, it doesn't say like, yeah, he just traded it. And this right here says he despised it. In Hebrews chapter 12 in the New Testament, it's actually a verse that says, See to it that no one is sexually immoral. Not that I'm getting into that on a kind of a children's day, but I probably will a little bit next week for the teenagers. It says, See that to it that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau. So it compares this kind of sexual immorality to being godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights, as the oldest son, so another thing that he gave away was just his regard as the leader of the tribe. People will say, "Yeah, Esau was the firstborn. He's supposed to be the next, the next leader of the tribe." Guys, this was a a very bad trade. You know, so much that I mean, it changed history. You know, it's changed the way we talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He sold those rights, gave up a double portion of the inheritance, gave up recognition as the oldest, gave up the recognition as, for, for being the leader of the family, just gave all that up for one bowl of soup because he was hungry. So yes, we have these needs and yes, we have these urges and these wants that come into us, but you better make sure that you satisfy them in a God honoring way. Now, here's a little story I'm going to tell you, and this is the main part of the little children's thing that I'm going to tell you. And when I was about 21, 22 years old, I'd been saved, but I realized I was making decisions that were not God-honoring. And I wondered why I was, I didn't feel close to God. I wondered why I could go to church and see other people lift their hands and cry when they felt the presence of God. And I sat there and felt nothing. And so, you know, I started questioning these things. I said, God, I want to feel like this. I want to know, I want to experience what they're experiencing. Why am I not? And I was being sincere. You know, I didn't realize that my decisions, I was reaping what I was sowing. And I went to a church, a little church of God, and just decided to go at random on a Wednesday. And they were doing uh, like a little Bible school. And it was all for little kids. So I walk in and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I showed up today, you know. This is awful, you know, it's like, whatever. So I just said, well, I'll sit through it, I can't leave and make it look like I just showed up and left. And uh, guys, I heard probably what today is just one of the most powerful things I've ever heard because God spoke to me through a children's story. It took me forever to get my hands on a copy of this story, and if you've ever heard this story, let me know, because uh, it's really hard to even find on the internet. And so, but the story is called "The Little Skylark," okay? And I'm going to show you the the pictures, and I'm just kind of going just going to read the story. So, I hope it's as powerful for you as it was for me. It was a beautiful. Sunlit morning. You can go to the next one, the next picture. Uh, And the little skylark was sitting on the stake and rider fence, sunning himself. His feathers had just filled out to where he was a full-grown skylark. He had tried his wings a few weeks before, and they did beautifully. He could climb, he could glide, he could soar. Now he could make almost any landing. He was a mighty, pretty little skylark. He was sitting there on the fence, admiring his feathers, when down the road came a little dwarf peddler with his little cart. Jingling his bell, the little peddler was crying, "'Earthworms! Earthworms! An earthworm for a skylark feather!' The little skylark heard it, and he got excited. His mother had given him a little piece of a worm, and it surely tasted good." He had, she had divided up a few worms between him and his little brothers and sisters, but now he was a full-grown Skylark on his own. He was sure he could swallow a whole worm by himself. He had never done it, but he knew he could. Next one. He looked through his feathers. At last he found a little feather in an inconspicuous place. He would not even miss it. He plucked it out and held it in his little beak. The peddler came along and stopped, got out a big, fat, juicy earthworm and gave it to the little skylark. The little skylark gave him his feather and swallowed the earthworm right down. Now he felt like a big skylark, a full-grown skylark. None of the other skylarks had anything on him. He had swallowed a whole earthworm. The next morning, the little dwarf peddler came along selling his wares again. Earthworms, he cried, earthworms, an earthworm for a skylark feather. And again, the little skylark found a little feather in an inconspicuous place, plucked it out and traded it for a nice, fat, juicy, delicious earthworm. What a treat. This was delightful. This went on for a day or two. And every morning, a feather left the little skylark's coat. About a week went by. One morning, the little skylark got an inspiration. It was amazing he had not thought of it before, why a little skylark like him could swallow two earthworms without a bit of trouble. So he plucked out two feathers. And when the peddler came along, he traded his feathers for two big, juicy earthworms. He left one lying down on the fence long enough to swallow the other one. Then he picked the other one up and swallowed it. He threw out his chest. He was a full-grown, full-fledged Skylark. He had swallowed two earthworms at one time. Say, next one. Say, before a month was gone, the little Skylark, who somehow or other looked a little strange, like something had happened to him, sat on the fence anxiously awaiting for the little peddler. Somehow, The sun didn't seem to shine as brightly, and the little bell didn't seem to ring as clearly, but the little skylark watched for the little dwarf peddler. At last, he heard him coming down the road, pushing the little cart, ringing the little bell, and crying, Earthworms! Earthworms! An earthworm for a skylark feather! And this time, in the skylark's little beak, were six skylark feathers. Six earthworms lay on the fence now, And one after the other, the little skylark swallowed them. But somehow, all six of them didn't make him feel like he was the man once. One earthworm made him feel. The next one. And so it went through the summer until the fall winds began to blow, and finally the snows began to fly. Suddenly there was a swirl in the air above him, and all the skylarks were flying south to escape winter's bitter chill. They were leaving the country. The little skylark had to go too. He too must find safety and warmth. He lifted his wings once, but nothing happened. He reached out his helpless little wings and tried to get a running start. Again and again, he tried to go, but he finally flopped off and fell down to the ground. He tried and tried again. He made every effort in the world to get up. He just knew if he could ever rise that he could go. But somehow the lift was all gone out of him. There was no way for him to find his way into the blue. He could not get into the heavens. Next one. The snows came and lay like a blanket upon the land. Ice covered the lake, and winter was on. Finally, spring came again, and a little blue bonnet lifted her face to the sun of a lovely spring morning. The snows melted. And there in the fence corner lay the whitened bones of the little skylark. And right here it is. It's kind of hard to see. The skylarks came back, and the old mother skylark built her nest in the same place and reared a second family and taught them to use their wings until they could fly. Then she took them down, and they all sat there on the fence and looked down at the little whitened bones. It was a very serious moment. The Skylark mother said, Children, that's what's left of your brother. Don't ever trade your feathers for earthworms. Now, I don't know if that's doing to you what it did to me, but I thought about all those decisions that I made, just in the name of looking cool, in the name of, of popularity. Yes, you know, does the first one mess with you? You know, does the very first one that you, that you get involved with something you shouldn't, does it really mess with you that much? And that's when you're so confident, just like the Skylark, and you got a little feather in an inconspicuous place, and it is. And nobody else even knows. And you're like, I can do this. I can handle this. It's no big deal. I can do what I want. But slowly, you just start to look. And it may take months. It may take years. But if you continue in this pattern of behavior, you're just plucking all these feathers out of you. And eventually, it looks like something happened to you. And eventually, it leads to death. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many people are on that road and going in thereat. But narrow is the way and straight is the way that leads to life. And very few people find it. So when you think about bad trades, I think about how kids trade so easily their integrity for just the easy way out. You know, I'll be in school, I trust every single one of them on day one. And then, like as soon as I see, you know, some kid just copying answers or something like that, he's lost my trust. He traded his integrity for the easy way out, and no matter what he says to me, I have to question: Can I believe him? Well, yes, yeah, what he's saying. Why don't you believe him? Because I see how he is in his actions, and I'm very aware that kids are watching me and my actions. And there's man, that, this the story of the kid, and I know I've kind of told you this before, but I remember telling my kids that uh, that guys, I'll forgive you. Every day is a brand new day. And there was a, a kid that came in there and he did something and, and I got on to him for it. And the next day, you know, I just, I kind of rubbed it in his face. The next day I kind of rubbed it in his face. And, uh, one day he was talking about Christians. I said, well, do you believe I'm one? He said, no, I don't. I think you say you're one, but you're not one. And I mean, that was a shot to my ego and a half. I was like, You know, I try to live this stuff out. Why? He said, because you talked. Like, you forgive us at the beginning of every single day. But ever since I've done that, you've rubbed it in my face, Mr. Hawkins. And I said, ouch. And I said, well, dude, here's something else that a Christian does. When they realize they're wrong, they say they're sorry. So, man, I want to ask you, will you forgive me? And I will never, you'll never see me do that again. And he just looked at me like, I've never in my life had a pre, you know, a teacher apologize to me. And I said, uh, well, will you, you know, will you forgive me? He said, yeah. And I said, man, I said, you, would you like to have the same God that lives in me inside of you? I mean, like I said, I don't do everything right, but I too do try to honor him with my life. And I do hope you see that. And he said, yeah, I'd like to have that same God in my life. And man, I got to lead him to the Lord. And you know, right now, about four or five years later, is he where he needs to be? No. But he's closer than he was when he got started. So integrity and doing the things that you say you'll do are extremely Important. Imagine if you were to just go back to school and your friends know you as a copier and somebody said, here, just copy this. And you say, no, I gotta do that on my own. Dude, it's already done here. You don't have to do it on your own. No. I'm choosing the hard way. I'm choosing the narrow way. And when they say, why would you do that? Because it honors the Lord, I am trying to honor Him with my life. And if I keep this as a pattern, He'll lead me to a better place than if I do this on my own. Never choose the easy path. All the Skylark had to do was go out there and scratch around for some worms. Go find them on your own. There's places at my house that he could find big, huge, fatter ones than the dwarf peddlers probably selling. Go find him. Go Work for it. Don't take the easy way out. Take the way that honors God. I was thinking about this also in the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. I'm reading it again for the second time. you know, it's it's a book really a lot like the Bible. You'll read it one time and then you know you'll get something out of it. You'll read it again and you'll get something else out of it. So if you've never read that, get you a copy of that. You know, there's a there's kind of an NIV version of it. Um, that I read just, uh, just like whatever the easiest, uh, translation of it is, you know, you can get that one, you can get them for like a quarter on Amazon, but you have to pay $3 shipping. That's how they always get you. You know, uh, I was like, Hey, I got this book for a quarter, but you yeah, I had to not pay $3 shipping. <laughs> um, but there's one line in it that I love. Okay. And it, it, Christian is the main character, you know, so it says, so Christian first drank at the spring for refreshment. And then commence to climb up the hill. Because he's at this, he's at the base of this hill. And the path that he's supposed to take is is straight uphill. But there's also another path that goes this way. And it looks so easy, but it's called danger. And there's also another um, path over here that looks so easy, And it's called destruction. And it looks like they end up at the same place. So there's three people at the base. Christian first gets refreshed. And he commences to go up the hill. Because this is the way the master said to go. And he says, This hill, though high, I can't wait to climb. For the difficulty and how hard it is. It won't offend me. For I perceive that the way to life is here. Come Pluck up, heart, let's not grow weary and let's not fear. Better, even though this is difficult, the right way to go than the wrong, easy way where the end is woe and death and destruction. So thus, formalist and hypocrisy were also at the bottom of the hill. Here they saw that it was steep and high and that there were two alternative ways for them to go along, which they imagined would later join right where Christian was going beyond the hill. So they decided to follow what appeared to them to be the easier routes. The name of one was danger, the other was destruction. So one presented proceeded along danger, which led him into a great wood that he could not pass. The other went along destruction, which entered a wide field full of dark mountains. And there he stumbled and fell never to rise again. Choose the path of honor, of doing the right thing, even when nobody else does. Choose the difficult way. It's the way that God changes you and gives you a work ethic that when you turn 18, 19, 20 years old, that that you have this, this work ethic that employers desire, that they want. I remember a kid coming to me. I had him first period for like Algebra 2, and he was always late. And when I mean late, like 15 minutes left to go in class late, and... One day, I mean, he was failing my class, obviously, because he was never in there. And I said, dude, I said, what are you going to do when you get a job? Well, when I get a job, it'll be different. When I get a job, I'll go to work because that'll be different. I'll be getting paid. I said, man, you're developing the work ethic now. You will do then what you're doing right now. And the kid landed like an unbelievable job at Duke Power. And I mean, like he's starting out way up there. I mean, he got so fortunate. And I happened to know one of his supervisors. And I saw him in the country cupboard one day. And I said, how is this kid doing? He said, he won't make it. I said, why? He said, he shows up late. He doesn't do any work if nobody's right there on top of him. But if somebody's right there looking at him, yeah, he'll work and he does, he does pretty good. But, you know, a few months went by and he was gone. I don't know where he is now, but he don't have a job like the one that he had. And what he had done was through not coming to school and not doing work, the very first time you choose to not go to school because you don't feel like it, And the first time you don't come to school and work, is that going to bother you? Is that going to mess your whole life up? No. That's a feather in an inconspicuous place. But do it again. And then do it again. And then do it again. And then you start to realize that you can't follow the teacher because you spent too many years plucking out feathers and you don't understand anything that this goes and you keep on doing it and you wonder why you can't get a job. And you wonder why you don't have the life that other people have. It's because you chose the easy way. choose the path of honor, of doing the right thing, even when nobody else does. So I had one more point to this, but I think I'll save it till next week because I really do want to put that shortening in my biscuits. And um uh, but I do want us to do something. And Marcus, if you wanna if you wanna come on up, I think we're gonna do something very important here, and we're gonna do this again next week. But if you have a kid um who's gonna be in pre K or uh up through fifth grade, uh you're know, still gonna kinda be in the elementary. I would like for y'all, and I'm going to bring Caroline and Jameson down here, for y'all to just find a little spot down here and have the kids kneel down. And parents, put your hands on these kids, and I want you to pray God's protection on them, that God will give them wisdom to understand, to make decisions, to not trade their feathers for earthworms. And I believe with all my heart, guys, that the kids in this church can be a generation that never has to try the world to figure out that God is good. I had to. I had to go out there and figure out that all these things that the world offered just led me to a place of unhappiness, of never being content, of always wanting more. I had to go that route before I said, God, you're good and your way is better. But I believe we got a generation in here that we can raise up that says, you know what, God's ways are the best ways, and I'm going to follow His ways. And if He can work through me, some prodigal that had to leave to figure out he was good and come back home, what will He do with a group that never had to leave in the first place? I think He'll do great and mighty things, and we'll see things through these kids that have never been done before and they'll be god honoring in all that they do so caroline jay if y'all will come on down and any kid any elementary uh grade, come on down and if your families would just come and and just wrap your arms around them and just pray for them pray for protection pray for wisdom pray for all the stuff i've talked about today and if you're out here you don't have A kid, man, please stretch forth your hand and just pray God's covering, His protection, His leading, His guidance. This is so important, guys. And if you can, use these words. Say them out loud. Pray out loud over your kids. You might be like me and sit at home and and you pray for them in your mind, but they don't hear you pray. This is a good time for this to happen. So guys, as we will... Come and if you're out there, please stretch forth your hands and pray. I'm going to join my family down here. I'm going to pray for them. Thank you, guys. presence down here just think about how your word says don't forbid these children to come to me let them come to me Lord I pray your protection upon these kids I pray wisdom on these kids that you'll give them wisdom to see the consequences of their decisions that they're making now long before Lord they experienced the what the Skylark experienced. Lord, thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for my family and thank you for a church that supports me in what I'm trying to do in raising God-honoring kids. There is no one like you, Lord, and we just want to thank you for what you've done here today and in the families that have come forward. Till we see you again next week, Lord, we just pray your hand of protection upon us. I want to say one more prayer for the teachers that are going back this week. That, Lord, you'll help them to prepare and give them a wisdom to to honor you and the way that we teach and the way that we treat people and the way that we have joy and the way that we represent Christ. Let our light shine before men so that they see our good works and glorify not us, but our Father in heaven. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.